0: Welcome to Last Call, powered by SpeakEasy for Sport. I'm your host, Jamie and Christian, and today we are joined by Charles Huff. Charles is currently the head football coach at Marshall University. Last season, he led Marshall to a 7-6 and six record in his first season leading the Herd. Known as one of the top running back coaches and recruits in the country, he's also roamed the sidelines with James Franklin, P.J. Fleck, Nick Saban, and Joe Moorhead. We are pleased to welcome Charles Huff to Last Call. Welcome to Last Call, powered by Speakeasy. I'm your host, Jamie and Christian, and today we are joined by Charles Huff, head football coach Marshall University. How are you doing, coach?
1: I'm doing great, man. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, man. I don't know about you, man, but I'm excited about football season right, right around the corner.
1: Yeah, I'd love to have another 100 days to prepare, but one thing we all have that is equal is time. So our our time has come and we've got to be ready to go and maximize these days going into camp here, getting ready for the season.
0: I love it. I think one of the things I really try to do is try to educate our our listeners and our viewers on, on just what it means this time of year. So just describe a little bit. I mean, you're going into your second year there at Marshall. Describe a little bit some of the things you learned a year ago that you get a chance to apply to your second camp. Uh, as a head coach? Well,
1: I think, um, you know, from organizational standpoint, just, just how to manage more people effectively, right? You know, you, you have a plan for your team, you have a plan for your staff. But as the head coach, there's so many more moving parts, right? There's people that you got to manage or engage with outside the program that have an effect on your program and getting them to operate kind of in the same lanes as you but also not trying to get them outside of their their comfort level to where they can't do their jobs efficiently so just being able to manage more people manage the expectations around the program you know In-house, not what the media says, but just, you know, hey, academics, admissions, you know, athletic training, community involvement, player development, just those things that touch your program but may not affect it directly but indirectly have a major effect.
0: Yeah, I think so many people don't realize, you know, so many things have to go right before the players touch the field each day. And a big part of setting a culture or the way of life or however you like to phrase it is about helping those people understand how you like to do it. You know, talk about Marshall University a little bit. Really great tradition of football there. You know, West Virginians love football. They they have great support. What is that like walking into a situation there where you recognize the the capability of it, and now you get a task of bringing it back to to the forefront.
1: Yeah, you know this this place, this this community, this environment has, has had a really good foundation. That was one of the reasons why it intrigued me, and, and I wanted to be a part of. It's it's tough to build anything on a instable foundation you talked about the history and tradition around here you talked about the passionate fan base you know those are kind of the foundational blocks that you need to build on it's hard to ask or expect or paint a picture of success when a program hasn't had it it's hard to Talk about the level of commitment you need from a fan base and an environment and a community when, when they haven't had it. And here at Marshall, this community and this, this football program have been connected very deeply for a very long time. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to transition from glory days to today. Um, and that's 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 the challenge. You know, we the, a lot of the fans, a lot of community, a lot of the former players and alumni, they remember when. But we need to continue to do the things that we need to do to live in the win, in the now. And, and I think we're in the right direction. You know, we got a really good president in Brad Smith, who's a transformational leader, who's from West Virginia, who went to Marshall. Uh, we got a phenomenal AD in Christian Spears, who has been at the Group of Five level and the Power Five level and, and has transitioned programs to where they are now. So I think, it's, I think we're in the right place at the right time. It ultimately comes down to executing on the field on Saturdays. Um, but like you said, there's so many things um, that go into getting the Saturday that you got to be able to manage. So that Saturday, the players and the coaches can go do what they're comfortable doing.
0: Yeah. You know, Charles, you were you obviously such a highly sought after person to be a head coach. What, what else was it about Marshall? I mean, you talked a little bit about your athletic director and your relationship with your president. What else was it that that really tied you into that and felt like this is a great opportunity for you?
1: You know, I, I'm from uh, I'm, I'm from a small town. I grew up in in the country. I grew up on a farm. West Virginia is that it it, it gives you a small town feel. Talk about being uh, Huntington tough and herd strong. You know, West Virginians are are, are tough blue collar people by nature. So it kind of was what was kind of where my roots came from. You know, working on a farm is not a glorious wake up every day and and, and just enjoy life type of of, of upbringing. It's tough. It's hard. It teaches you hard work. It teaches you to get your hands dirty. It teaches you those things, which allows you to kind of build your character and build who you are. And coming here to Marshall allowed me to be who I am. I don't have to try and be a city boy. I don't have to try and be from the West Coast or from the, you know, from the North or from the South. I can be myself and everyone appreciates it. Everyone accepts it. Everyone embraces it, which allows me to be consistent. You know, I think when you try to be something that you're not, uh, you may be able to do that for a short period of time, but over the long haul, the, the true you comes out, whatever that is. Um, and I think one of the biggest keys to success is consistency. And I'm able to be that here with my team in this community every day.
0: Yeah, I want to dive in a little bit to, to that. I mean, I'm a country boy myself. You probably don't know that about me. So, you know, when I read when I was reading that about you, I said, man, that's that's unbelievable. I feel like that fits so much into being a tough, you know, well-thought-after person who knows how to attack some things. Just talk a little bit about that upbringing, you know, what it's like on on the farm, kind of growing up with that the people you interact with, the things that you learn that help you every day.
1: You know, when you grow up on a farm, you, you get to meet some of the most down-to-earth, you know, type of people. You know, there's no one who's got their nose turned up at you. There's no one who's, I mean, it doesn't like this person or this side of the town. Everyone is very relational because a lot of farming is trade and, you know, hey, I'll help you if you help me, but we both want to be successful in whatever we're doing. It teaches you, you know, consistency. It teaches you hard work. You know, you wake up every day, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning, you got to change the pig pens and clean everything up and then get ready and go to school and come back and do it all over again. It teaches you routine. It teaches you to be very appreciative of what you have, whether that's a little or a lot. It teaches you to respect people. You never know, you know, someone that wakes up every morning and spends an hour and a half, two hours in a pig pen, but cleans up and goes to work or goes to school presents themselves, you know, as everyone else. You, you never know who you're meeting. And I also think it teaches you a little bit about being humble. You know, you, you understand what you have can be taken away. And you understand that the harder you work, the more opportunities you get, the harder you work, the more prepared you are for those opportunities. And that's something that's just carried me throughout not only my, you know, career as a player, but as a coach and 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 as a family.
0: Yeah, you know, there's something about putting your fingers in that dirt every single day or picking up that axe every single day. You know, my aunt was a hog farmer as well. So, you know, she would have a few of those hogs out there. But you know, the great thing about being on a farm is like like Like, you know, everyone kind of transitions to different things. You know, I don't know about your side of it, but our side of it, they would do, you know, some seasons they'd have hogs and the next season they might have this or that. And they were kind of (laughs) transition. So you had to learn how to be adaptable. And I feel Mm -hmm. like in my early in my career, that's been one of my biggest strengths is that, you know, every day wasn't the same, but the job remained the same.
1: Correct. Correct. And and I think, again, it it, it allows you to experience some things, right? It it allows you to have a, a, a wider experience-based so that the people you meet that may not be like you, um, you're able to understand, you're able to find some commonalities, um, you're able to find some, some, some differences. And, and I think it's, it's nothing wrong with having differences within your program or your family or your farm. I, I think it allows growth. Um, I think it allows uh, experience and sharing of knowledge. You know, I think, you know, we were hog farmers by nature, but we also dealt with crop farmers and we dealt with, you know, cow farmers. So you may not be living in that world, but you're able to experience and learn from people like you or people that may have major differences.
0: Everyone talked about the three levels of communication, right? You have communication, you have cooperation, and then you have collaboration. And so many times now it feels like we can be in a world where we kind of box ourselves in. But when you're, you know, you're working the land and you're feeling that you've got to really be collect, be connected to the people around you, because, you know, if they're having runoff at one area, that's going to affect you and that affects this. And therefore, you've got to really understand that we're all really connected, even though we might have different jobs, and different tasks. I mean, it sounds like to me, this is did be like coaching a football team, you know,
1: (laughs) very much so, very much so. And I think, again, when, when you're coaching a football team, you're dealing with, you know, 125 players, 30 or 40 staff members. And everyone's not going to see it the same. Everyone's not going to wake up the same. Everyone's not going to be going through the same thing at the same time. But being the head coach, you got to be able to corral all of those emotions and all of those situations that are going on and keeping focused on the main goal. Um, And I think a big part of that is the understanding. You know, like you said, you got to understand that we all are connected, um, but we're not the same. So things that may affect me mentally, physically, emotionally may not affect the next guy. And the things that affect him may be, you know, water under the bridge to me. But if we're all going to be in this together and we're all going to be successful, understanding and, and being able to put all of that together and put it aside for the common goal is important.
0: Yeah, I don't know about you. I mean, having to do that work during the day made me really excited to go to go to practice. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, you know, I
1: learned that if I could go to school and do something really, really fun, I wouldn't have to go home and, and wake up every day and do what I really didn't like doing. It probably made me pay a little more attention in school and it probably made me enjoy being a part of football um a lot more than 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 maybe I would have.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we always you know, we always had and you know, let me reset the room a little bit. Charles Huff, head football coach at Marshall University here with us on <laughs> last call. You know, one of the things that we always had, we always we, we use firewood, you know, so, you know, they were they were going they chop the trees down or sometimes they'd have a dump load, you know, drop them off. And then, you know, you have to split it. So it's like every day, you know, so it's like, man, I might have practice, but I'm off day. Like at the end of the day, there was this, there was this large mountain of wood that needed to get <laughs> split. And if I either I either could come home and split a little bit of it every single day. Or be there on the weekends and I want to have some time with my friends and have to split it. So it's like stories like that when people ask me about growing up that I say, man, that's, that's really why I'm like diligent and on top of things. Are there any stories that you have that you can kind of attribute to why you've become the person you've become?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, just just like you said that, you know, in, in farming, there's a lot of things that have to happen regardless of when you do them. I think a lot of the planning and like you said, OK, I can wait and do it this weekend and do it all or i can do a little bit each day and have my weekends off Um, i think just that routine based life has created some consistency for me and and i think you know when you look around at different people the 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 issues that they deal with you know some of it's in their control some of it's not but the things that are usually in their control there's a lot of inconsistency you know uh, procrastination is a huge you know a huge one you know and you talk to your players some of the issues they have is because they kind of put off doing something that, well, maybe I have a week to do this paper, but well, I'm gonna wait and start next week. Well, now you, you, you've you minimized the amount of time that you have. For me, it's, it's probably that routine because something always comes up, right? The, the, the pigs aren't always moving at the tempo they're supposed to move. So if the job is supposed to take 45 minutes and you start with 45 minutes, there are things that could come up that could make that job longer or, you know, I mean that, that, that could cause issues. So I think I've learned a lot about routine and consistency and pre-planning just from all of my experiences, you know, whether that was making sure the pins were clean, making sure that the, the, the buckets were washed, you know, not putting off. Well, you know, I know we got to do the buckets, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. Well, now you got double the amount of dirt and slop and clean up because that's another day. Um, so just from a consistency standpoint um, of, of, of having a plan, pre-planning and making sure you allow um, for the things that come up out of your control, th- those have kind of been some core values that I've just learned over my course of time from my childhood that have helped me kind of navigate things a little more smoothly.
0: Oh, I enjoy it, I enjoy hearing about it. Let's talk a little bit about, about about your parents. You know, and their role in your upbringing and, and and allowing you to be where you are. Your father, high school principal, correct?
1: Yep, high school principal. Before I was born or up until I was born, he coached college girls basketball, kind of gave up the college coaching life. You know, when I was born, you know, the, the time constraints on a family uh, when you're in college coaching or way up there. So got into um, high school administration and coached a little bit of high school and then really, really got into the administrative role, was a huge disciplinarian and not, you know, not to the, the physical abuse of, you know, a Joe Jackson uh, <laughs> type of deal, but but it was really cut and dry. This is what we do, this is what we don't do. Um, and, and, and there's no excuse for not doing what you're supposed to do. And the teaching that discipline is what ultimately separates successful people from non-successful people. It's not really about your talent level. Um, does that play into it? Yes. But you and i both know in all professions there are people with more talent that don't have the success that they that they deserve or that they should get he was hardworking. obviously his father was was a hog farmer and he carried some of those traits a big believer in the fact that education was kind of the 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 highway to success you know from from where we were from so those were the things that i kind of learned early i mean school and education was non-negotiable doing what you were supposed to do was non-negotiable and working hard. You know, the rest of it, he didn't care. You know, I remember I I wanted to join the band and you know, everybody goes to that phase. Oh, I want to join the band. And he said, yeah, we, we can join the band. And he said, I'll buy you, you know, whatever instrument you want to play, but you're going to play it the entire time you're in high school. And about two weeks after buying the saxophone, I was like, I don't want to do this. He was like, no, you're going to do it the entire time you're in high school, because you said this is what you wanted to do. So I remember, you know, playing in the band and doing the halftime show in my football uniform because I was going to be in the band the entire time I was in high school. And it just some of those, you know, things. It wasn't, it wasn't a punishment, but if I'd have quit playing the saxophone two weeks after, who knows what else in life I may have quit when you know it didn't really go my way. So what it's made me do is it's made me really think about decisions I make. Do I really want to do this? Because if I start, there is no, well, I started, but I stopped. So just things like that, I learned, you know, from him, probably one of my, my, my biggest um, inspirations, you know, or, or, or mentors is, is him because I never really got pushed into doing anything. I just had the foundational pieces of whatever you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's amazing know my my parents are both involved in education as well and so our dinner conversations I always felt like we're we're really different you know they talked so much about the environment that their students are coming from tell us a little bit about some of your dinner conversations when you get everybody back around the table and you're in high school how those dinner conversations kind of go
1: yeah um you know obviously my my mother was a a beautician you know she worked from home so uh, my dad traveled about two hours you know to work and two hours back from work every day so uh, my mom did a lot with our family, and and you know, we when, when we get around, my brothers and my sisters, they they call me the Y kid, because they said I asked more questions as a kid than anybody they've ever been around. I, I just wanted to know why things were, were like they were you know why why, why is this you know why, why do we do this why do people do this you know why why do you know certain you know kids across the street or in certain areas of the town you'll know, live a certain way i just wanted to know uh, inquisitive maybe is what you know you would call it now um but when we when we kind of get around it it's it's that you know well i'm sure you know charles is going to ask a question before we you know leave the dinner table just, I, I like to know why, you know, I like to know how things work. You know, I like to know the inner workings. Probably that's why, you know, I've been successful in my career because as I moved up the chain, you know, respectfully, I, I talk to different coaches, different head coaches, different mentors, different administrators. I want to know why and how things work, you know, so I can better plan, you know, what to do. You know, why, why are we getting up at 4.30, you know, to, to clean these pens and we don't have to go to school until 7.00. Well, here's why we're doing it. Okay, well that makes a little more sense to me now. I understand. So that that's kind of the the the, the conversations we have. You know, it usually ends with me asking a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> well, why did you choose that job? Or why are you working here? Or why are you, you know why are your kids doing this? I I probably still have it. You know, I don't recognize it as much. I I say they're not telling the truth every time they tell me, but um, they say that's the truth.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the yeah, things I'm, I'm studying. In fact, that you talk about questions. You know, one thing I'm really trying to study is how to question better. You know, the ability to ask solid questions, especially in obviously interviewing for me or recruiting, that's so valuable. What do you think you learned kind of by by being that way and asking good questions?
1: You know, I think I have a, a better understanding of how, especially in the job that I'm in, of how the big picture works, right? As a football coach, you know, we, we could you know, stay in our bubble and, know stay focused on you know executing offense defense special teams but asking those questions i think i have a a better understanding of the administrative level i have a better understanding of how you know football affects all athletics i have a better understanding of the other sports that aren't football and how um they're affected by athletics and universities and administrators um i also think i probably have a little better knowledge um in recruiting because you know asking questions you know you get answers to things that you may not experience growing up or you may not experience in your lifetime but now you run across or you get introduced or you get involved with someone you're recruiting who's had a totally different background or upbringing to you or why do they act like this? Why, why is this his behavior or why is this his, you know, you know, his fear or his, you know, issues or his, his strengths, you know, those things. So I think it's given me a bigger picture understanding of, of a lot more things. I think sometimes if you don't ask questions, you assume, and when you assume you kind of assume and process it through your lens. But when you ask questions, I think you have an opportunity to see it or at least experience it through someone else's lens, which can give you better perspective on a lot of things. I think once you have better perspective, you're able to make better decisions. And in the chair I'm in, the decisions I make ultimately affect a lot of people. So the more information I have, the better perspective I have, the better decision maker I can be.
0: Yeah, it's such an interesting component as you're transitioning from you know, being a position coach to a coordinator, to a head coach in basketball, you do sort of the same thing. The nature of your questions change because you don't have as much time.
1: Absolutely. And, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how can I get the same information in half the time? <laughs> how can <laughs> I get the same perspective in half the time? Uh, and, and, and you're right. I think it, it changes because your time constraints change. Again, I, your questions probably change as well, you know, because you know, when you're a position coach, you're not worried about the overall athletic budget. Doesn't matter you. You know, when you're a position coach, you're not worried about the D lineman who's, you know, is having mental health issues. You know, that you coach running backs. You know, that's that's on you, D line coach. Um, but as a head coach, at all, at all, man, you, you know, you're not worried about fan engagement when you're just coaching the running backs. You know, you're not worried about raising the overall. Um, you know, capital campaign budget, you know, when you're just coaching a running back. So there are a lot of things that, you know, when you, when your position changes, the, the things that you're more concerned with, or the things that go in or are, are involved in your decision-making, even down to what play we call on third down, you know, that, that those things, the more you have on your plate, the more information you have, and it affects your decisions.
0: Yeah, you know, me and you know, I talked talk to a guy named Shaka Smart, who's a good friend of mine. We always talk about, like, we you should be an assistant coach after being a head coach. Because once you have that, once you have that greater perspective of things, you know, you really know what to focus in on. And you know what to ask, you know, what's a big deal, you know, what isn't a big deal. But just having that perspective on the larger just allows you to be much better at your job on the smallest things and the details.
1: Absolutely, absolutely
0: last call with jamie and christian is powered by speakeasy for sports the first exclusive platform for sports professionals by sports professionals we connect you directly with top performers in the industry and allow you to build the relationships that will help grow your career think of it as the final four nba summer league or any other sports convention all now from your laptop and phone 24 7 365 careers grow through relationships and relations go through speakeasy. Join the speakeasy family today at speakeasyforsports.com. Again, I want to reset the room a little bit. Um, join here today, Charles Huff, head, head football coach at Marshall University. Join us here on Last Call. I want to talk a little bit about, about Hampton University. you graduate, HBCU experience. So much of that in the news the last couple of years. And uh, my parents are both both HBCU graduates as well. So I had a chance growing up to see you know see that world and then really experience it. You know, tell, tell us a little bit about how you enjoyed playing football there at Hampton and some of the things that you learned that you take on with you today.
1: Yeah, I, I enjoyed my time. Um, you know, Coach Joe Taylor was our head coach, and, and he really was probably the first, you know, head coach CEO that I, I had a chance to be around. Obviously, when you're in high school, it, it's, you know, it's a little, you're not much of a CEO, you know, in a small high school where I was. Coach Taylor was kind of the CEO, you know, head coach. Um, he really showed me that through the game of football, you could change young men's lives. Um, You know, I saw a lot of my teammates come in very rough around the edges and leave, you know, a lot different. And I, and I, I saw that, I probably saw more of it after I had left, but I got a chance to see that firsthand and how, you know, accountability is huge and how, you know, the way you treat a person is the way they will be. Um, you know, and and what you think they can be and how you treat them consistently is ultimately what they'll become, uh, regardless of their their background, regardless of their knowledge base, regardless of their experience. Um, if you treat them like young men, you know, who who can put on a certain tie and, you know, present themselves well, then that's who they'll become. If you treat them like uh, he doesn't know how to tie a tie, he doesn't know anything about, you know, Time management and going to class and doing what's right—that's probably what they're going to end up being. But enjoyed it. There got a chance to make a lot of friendships. Got a chance to see a lot of different things. I—I I grew up at a high school that was 98% um, Caucasian, so it was different for me—a different environment, a different experience—to um, go and see so many minority faces and minority character and characteristics. Um, a lot of things that I had not experienced. Um, I think it helped me um, develop, you know, because I do have kind of both sides. I'm probably one of the few African-American coaches that listens to country music vividly because that's kind of what I grew up on. But I also got the experience of, you know, learning different cultural experiences, you know, jazz. And, you know, I got my first experience with, jazz festivals and in those types of things, we had a lot of, um, foreign exchange students. Um, come to Hampton. So I got that experience, got a chance to um, see and learn things from their perspective. Obviously, we got a chance to travel to a lot of different historical places, um, you know, play and playing a lot of different historical games. As you know, there are a lot of um, influential um, athletes, businessmen, uh, congressmen, all over doctors, lawyers who have gone to HBCU. So I was able to make some of those connections. So really kind of helped mold me as a person, holistically, um, having both experiences, so I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, the HBCU experience, uh, again, had, you know, talking to my parents about it all the time growing up, um, got accepted to Hampton, wanted to go to Hampton, so I know what a great place that is that you got a chance to graduate from, you know, the the understanding of trying to give your students the world and to show them how the, show them how the world operates and to give them different experiences. I don't. I can't say that I've seen that on other campuses. You know where they're bringing in, like you said, jazz festivals or just different the different things, different emphasis that they're looking to to give to their students. Um, it's really been special, and I think that's so much about the HPCU experience. It's not just about being an athlete or being a student. It's really about walking out of there holistically better.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think. Um, you know, there's a lot of great universities all over the country. I think there's a lot of historical value, you know, that you you learn from going to HBCUs and that's not a, you know, knock on any other places, but there's a lot of historical value and I think you, if if you could understand history, you can kind of predict the future. And I think that's what, you know, kind of gave me some of those experiences to help me moving forward.
0: Yeah. You know, just um uh just amazing to have that kind of journey and to be that kind of representation you know for everything you're doing moving forward is going to be huge now let's dive a little bit back into football a little bit uh obviously you climbed your way up you've worked with some of the games very best you know from James Franklin to P.J. Fleck to Nick Saban you work with a guy named Saquon Barkley I want to dive into all that stuff you know what made you want to dive into being a being a, a college football coach?
1: You know, I really don't think there's anything else I can do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you know, I, I enjoy I enjoy teaching. I enjoy um, helping people in general mature and, and, and matriculate from one area to the next, A to B. I enjoy the game. Obviously, I have a deep love for the game. I have a love for the, um, the, the chess match that goes on in the game. You know, I have a love for the competition. You know, I, I like being on a team grew up with brothers and sisters, so I was always surrounded by, you know, people that cared for each other, you know. So that was probably the first experience of a team, and that's what a team is. Um, so for me, you know, being a football coach, it kind of checked all the boxes, right? Um, One, you didn't have to go to school to do a whole bunch. You know, once I realized that, I was like, okay, this this makes sense. Two, you got to be a part of a team. I was like, okay, I like this. Um, and then the, the competition part, you know, obviously, you know, I think football is probably the greatest game and greatest teacher of sports and life. Um, and and so I, I fell in love with it at an early age. My talent was shorter than my career. So my, my playing career ended very quickly. But it allowed me to kind of use the experiences I learned from playing to stay involved or stay around the game as long as I have. Yeah,
0: you know, it's so interesting. Many of us at Coach, our playing careers ended – and our coaching career began well before we, we, we were ready for it, for it to happen. <laughs> exactly. um, that's sort of the common theme amongst all of us coaches. Again, Jamie and Christian here at Last Call, joined with Charles Huff, head football coach at Marshall University. I'm really pleased to have him here on Last Call with us today. And I won't go through your entire resume because, you know, people maybe don't realize football coaches move around. So much uh, in wow. order to climb that ladder. It's you know I've got a lot of really good friends in college football, and I've got a, their contact list in my phone is is extensive. So we'll just <laughs> hit a couple places. Obviously, you started out at Tennessee State. You making that transition there to University of Maryland in your third year. I mean, what's it like when you get that call from University of Maryland?
1: You know, I, I had um, over the summers. You know, I, I always knew I wanted to be a head coach. That's what I wanted to be. You know, I, I, I loved. Um, I was a captain. You know, I considered myself a leader. I, I think when I look back on, I had leadership skills at a young age. You know, I was, you know, kind of always a guy. All right, come over here, guys. Let's do this. Or yeah, let's think about this. You know, so and uh, during the summers, you know, I I used to go back to Maryland, you know, and work football camps. You know, so I got a chance to build a relationship with those guys. And and uh, a situation happened where they lost a the guy really late. Um, in the process and the through the relationships that I had built by going to work camp and being around those guys, a lot of people in the building felt comfortable with me. A lot of people in the building felt that I would be a good fit. So they they called me and, and said, hey, can you be here tomorrow? And I said, <laughs> yeah, I packed up my car. 11 hours later, I pulled into the parking lot at, at uh, in College Park, Maryland, and slept in, slept in the locker room that entire year. Didn't have time to find an apartment or, you know, find a place to live. So I slept in the locker room, kept my clothes in the car. And for that entire year, I, I grinded. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed every bit of it. Never had a, you know, an issue or complained about, man, I probably should get an apartment. It was, it's kind of what you do. You know, I, I didn't have a family at the time. So it was just me. And, you know, I, would, I hit the ground running. And before you know it, you're, you're in the grind of the season and you look back, you're like, man, I've been sleeping in this locker room for <laughs> almost six months now. This is kind of getting old. Um, so it was good. It was good again, I, I think you know the the biggest thing that I've learned throughout my career, it's about relationships. Every job that I've gotten has been through some type of relationship it was something that I fostered or something that I was around so many people and then they spread the word about you know me as a person or me as a you know an employee um, and allowed me to kind of continue to, as you say, move around the country multiple times. I made a decision, you know, early in the process that I was going to stay focused on the goal of becoming a head coach. So there are a lot of things that I chose not to do, you know, to to hinder that uh, progress. You know, I, I I didn't have a family or a serious girlfriend that that whole time because I knew, you know, I, I've I've talked to a lot of different coaches and somewhere along the line, they got a family and they got married and they got kids and that kind of limits what you can do and where you can go. And, and, and I made the decision that, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was able to go and move the way I needed to, to get where I wanted to. So, you know, I didn't get married until two years ago, which, you know, is, is old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But those are some of the things, you know, I think a lot of times, things happen in people's lives, families, kids, you know, sickness, family sickness, or whatever it may be. And that kind of hinders the moves you can make. And some of those moves, which may seem backwards or may seem like a weird move, um, ultimately put you around the people or put you in the avenues to actually springboard you to where you ultimately want to be.
0: Yeah. Like the ability to make that sort of move late. And so it's so interesting. I mean, I talk to so many people, about career movement, and I'm always like, well, if you can move late sometimes, that's the most valuable valuable because there's gonna be a candidate that just can't afford to do it for whatever reason. Yep. Maybe they're tied in, maybe their family's there for whatever reason, and being that person that's a that's a, a agile enough to make that move can really kickstart your career. And we keep that as a focus. It's important. You know, when, when when at what part of the journey did you feel like you were capable and ready to become a head coach?
1: Well, I thought I was from day one. But the more you live and learn, the more you you kind of, I I, I use the word transform. You know, I think I think people are always ready. You know, I mean, you, you can be a head coach whenever you're ready. But the position you're in, or the phase of life that you're in, when you become a head coach will determine your success if you're not fully formed. And you're probably not going to have as much success as you would if you were fully formed. So, I would have been a different type of head coach if I'd have got this job, you know, five years ago, six years ago. Now, would I be successful? I don't know. I think it's a combination. You know, I think um, after my two years at you know Alabama, it kind of formed who I wanted to be as a head coach. Um, you know, my time, you know, around some of the other head coaches formed me. Um, but I don't know if if it would have been the full me, you know, if I'd have got the job after being around PJ. Fleck or after James Franklin or Chan Gailey. But I think the the collection of experiences has formed me into who I am and who I think I can be consistently, if that kind of makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I want to do a little bit of word association or name association because you've talked a little bit about some of the great head coaches that you've had a chance to work for. So I'm just gonna say the name. And if you could tell me the first word that comes to mind and the one thing that they do best, that'd be amazing. Let's go ahead and start with Chan Gailey.
1: Phenomenal schematic mind. Um, The the one thing I think he does best is he finds a way to get the players that he has to do what they do best. If that makes sense. It's not Mm -hmm. a, well, this is my system and this is what I do. It's okay. This is what I do, but what can the players do? And let me adapt what I do to what they can do.
0: Let's go with uh, James Franklin, Penn State head coach now.
1: Yeah, detailed and extraordinary at the relational piece, building relationships with players, coaches, families, alumni, really intentional about the relationship piece, but really detailed, has a plan for the next 10 years, I promise you, and and really good at, at developing Puts a lot of focus on the relationship piece of everything.
0: Let's go, PJ Fleck.
1: Yeah, um, authentic, the best wide receiver coach I know. I'll say that. But authentic um, because he is who he is. You know, if you know PJ, he's 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 energy. He's different. He's an acquired taste. Some people love him. Some people hate him. But he's that same way every day. It's not a show. It's not a well. Hey, here comes the camera. Let me be energetic. It's not it. Nick Saban. Yeah, obviously the the greatest coach of all time. The one thing I would say is, is, one, extremely consistent, very consistent, almost to the point of monotonous, but the consistency in him and his plan has allowed him to be successful because players, coaches, anyone involved, there's no anxiety of what's next or what is it going to be like, because the plan is the plan and then probably the ability to adapt, you know, I think, you know, it's great He's a great coaches won a lot of national championships and games and all of those things, but the ability to sustain success. You have to be adaptable. You know this game is not the same as it was two years ago, not alone ten years ago. So his ability to adapt, but also be extremely consistent, I've learned that. You know I, I've, I've learned and used till this day. You know a lot of the consistency models. Um, I think it alleviates anxiety in people when they know what to do and what to expect. You wake up every day and you know, hey, this is what Monday is going to be. Tuesday is going to be. Thursday is going to be. You can prepare yourself for that. If you go into work and you don't know if your boss is going to call a meeting or not call a meeting or you don't know if the heat's going to be on or the air is going to be on, creates a lot of anxiety and you can't prepare. Um, And if you can't prepare, it's hard to perform. But when things are consistent and you know, hey, this is what we're going to do, this is how it's going to work, you can get yourself prepared. You can eliminate that self-anxiety and and you can perform.
0: So he's say greatest coach of all time. So what's it like when he calls you for the job at Alabama? Like what's, what's that phone call like when you see that number pop up on your phone?
1: well he's never called you because his number didn't come up it comes up no caller id
0: um
1: and the first time it came up no caller id and i didn't answer it because i thought it was student loan people calling again um and then my agent called me like hey man you got to answer your phone (laughs) So all what do you mean yeah coach saban's trying to get in touch like he didn't call me He's like, yeah, it comes up, no caller ID, but, you know, finally I did get on the phone with him and he's very, he's, he's very cut and dry. You know, he's he's got a, you know, he's got a plan. He's got a list of questions. He's got some things that he wants to know. He's not a person that just overtly commits to something right away. There's a lot of, okay, hey, there's an opportunity and, and we'll kind of let you know. Again, that goes back to I think his ability to adapt, you know, you may call me and say, hey, I want to do an interview with you on Tuesday. But if Michael Jordan calls and says, hey, Tuesday is the only day that I can do it, you may have to adapt. And I think, you know, his ability to inform without committing until, you know, it has allowed him to make the best decisions for Alabama. You know, I mean, not just, hey, what does Charles Huff want to hear, but what's the best decision?
0: Yeah, uh, Jamie and Christian reset in the room here on last call. Uh Charles Huff, head co- head football coach, Marshall University. Uh coach, I, I want to know, you know, we're doing word association right now. Um w- Charles Huff, word association for Charles Huff, please.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I kind of say now is discipline. And that's not a you know a disciplinary and walks around with a stick and beats people over the head, but discipline and approach, you know, um, discipline in um, attention to detail, discipline and routine. And then again, I think probably what I've learned you know, from, from my time in Alabama is consistent. Um, I, I try to be disciplined in my approach and discipline in my lifestyle, discipline in the decisions I make. And I don't think, I think sometimes when people hear the word discipline, they think, oh, in trouble or not in trouble. It, it's more you know, I try to make sure I wake up every single day around the same time. Why? Because that's going to allow me to be able to maximize my time. I try to make sure that the decisions I make are not emotional decisions one day and hardcore decisions the next. I try to, you know, stay disciplined in, in my lifestyle and then consistent, you know, consistent in my approach, consistent and all the way down to the practice plan, you know, know, to try to eliminate the peaks and valleys in my myself and my daily walk. Um, which hopefully will trickle down throughout the organization. And and I think it's it's better to be consistent than highs and lows. So that that would be, you know, my my two.
0: I love it. What about Saquon Barkley?
1: It, it's 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 amazing because the Saquon Barkley that you guys know, I know a different Saquon Barkley. Um not a different, but similar. Um Saquon wasn't a highly recruited athlete when we started recruiting. Actually, he wasn't even the best running back in the state of Pennsylvania. There was another young man who we recruited, who had more yards and more hype. Um, But his Saquon, you get in the recruiting realm. He's one of these kids who came on late. So physically, you know, his body changed. Aren't, in his aren't those senior the best
0: year. ones? Those are the best yeah, ones. Well, yeah. well, not
1: anymore because the recruiting model has changed and now we're offering eighth graders and ninth graders <laughs> and the guys that, you know, the light doesn't come on until they're seniors kind of get passed over. So, yeah. you know, Saquon was a good football player as a junior, you know, kind of still growing into his body, not as developed in his senior year. He really kind of came on. Um, but I would say, and and it, it's it's interesting, The year before, I was coaching at Western Michigan, um, coaching running backs for P.J. Fleck, and no one knew who I was, and I was doing the same drills with the same focus and the same teaching. Enter Saquon Barkley, who is obviously a physically gifted, um, you know, football player. I do the same drills, same mentality. He blows up and I all of a sudden become a great football coach. So I owe it to the marriage or the meeting of the relationship that Saquon and I had. If I hadn't have ended up at Penn State the time he ended up at Penn State, where would my career be? I would like to say he probably would still have a good career because, you know, obviously he's a really good football player. But I think I've taught him a lot, you know, just about mentally handling you know, the pressures that come with being a football player and in life. Um, but I, I attribute our meeting to the uptick in my career. I named my son, my son's middle name is Barkley, um, just because I think me meeting him at that time and us being together really propelled my career for sure. Um, and I would probably say the same thing for him, you know, just the teaching and the mentorship, the guidance, Um, He and I still talk just that that meeting of roads at the right time, you know, really propelled two different careers or two different paths, you know, different ways. But I think it really propelled the two of us.
0: Yeah. Take our audience into that running back room when you you really felt like he figured it out.
1: Yeah, it was probably he was a true freshman. We were in camp and. It was one day, we, you know, we're doing a drill, and, and I'm like, okay, all right, Saquon, you're up. And the very first carry, he did, like, three moves, bang, 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 and went down the sideline, like, 80 yards, and he ran all the way back, and he said, Coach, was that good? And I said, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Um, and the next thing he said was, how do I do it better? And wow. that's kind of – like, when you have that type of mentality – I mean, you're thinking you got know, a true freshman, his first carry pads against, you know, at Penn State, you know, all well, everybody's excited. You got the defense over there, and you do something to that level of, of, of excellence. And your question is, how do I do it better? You know, I, at that moment allowed me to know that this guy is going to be able to continue to improve in life, not just in football. Um, because a lot of us, you know, would have been, you know, slapping five and, you know, look at me and look what I just did. I got this thing, you know, I I figured it out, but, but his question was, how how do I do it better? And I think that's the type of people that are successful in life. You know, it's not the, Hey, I made it. It's, you know, okay, well, how can I make it more? How can I do it better? How can I improve? Even though what I've done has seemed to be really, really great.
0: that's a great, great story talking about Saquon Barkley running back for New York Giants. You know, we do this thing here on Last Call. And, you know, the the theme of it is, again, it's Last Call. So, you know, you're sitting here at the bar or at your favorite eatery, and the last call bell kind of rings. You've got one person to your left, a person who's retired from what they do now. They could be living or not living. A person to the right of you who's still actively working in in any field. Um, Who are these two people beside you?
1: For me, it's probably going to be Kobe Bryant and Bill Gates. Okay, why Kobe? Kobe, just the, the overall um, mentality and approach that he had to um, his, tra- his 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 trade, and, and I think it's it's extremely difficult to. I don't think people have the mentality to their trade and the mentality that life is the same, um, because they're different realms. And I think Kobe's a great example of it. When Kobe got out of basketball, um, family took the forefront you know, you saw him smile more, you know, you saw him spend more time doing what normal people would do. But when he was in the moment or in his trade, there were walls up around, you know, his mentality, which was, which is to me is, is, is the mentality that I'd like to learn about. How do you stay in that mentality so long through the ups and the downs? But that's why I would say Kobe, um and and then bill gage from just his overall business acumen um, and and how to monopolize a talent and you know and and kind of be able to navigate the waters of um financial freedom and i don't use that to say i want to be a millionaire but you know okay well how can i take a dollar and make a dollar you know and and how do i navigate that um, so that i can set up a lineage of um, financial freedom, you know, for for my entire family to come and not a, you know, we're all billionaires, but, you know, what are the things that you need to know to have financial freedom? Um, because I think that creates a lot of opportunities um, in life for other people that don't have this obsession that I have. So I want to, I want, yeah, I'd like to know, you know, what are some of those Inroads that you know you, you you've learned or come across throughout your career.
0: I appreciate it, Coach Huff. Thank you for joining us on Last Call today.
1: I appreciate you for having me on, man. Hopefully, you uh, get a chance to follow us a little bit this year. And if you're ever in or around Huntington, man, you're you're always welcome here in, in the Joan.
0: You know, I can't wait. You know, Last Call is powered by Speakeasy for Sports. Until next time, we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on the Last Call, powered by Speakeasy, where careers grow through relationships and relationships grow through speakeasy. We hope you enjoyed it. And we look forward to connecting with you soon.